Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hello everyone, Tara Williams here with the Mom Manual. I have another amazing guest for you guys today. Diane Bowden runs Minimalist Moms Podcast and she focuses on living and parenting with simplicity. She's also a mom of three. I am so excited. Diane, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we can connect. I know this one is very exciting for me, particularly because I have four children. We just moved and I run a business. Plus I have my husband and two guinea pigs. Sure. <laughs> my life is not decluttered and is not simple. So I'm, I'd love to hear how you got into this. Give everybody your, your whole background story. So I'll share just slightly about my minimalist pursuits and then I can talk a little bit about the podcast as well. But I always tell people I was quite the opposite of a minimalist prior to discovering the term. So back when my husband and I were first married, we were searching for something in my parents' basement. And to paraphrase him, he looked at me and said, look at all these things that are now in boxes that were once your dad's hard-earned working hours. And wow. up until point. Yeah. Up until that point, I was someone that prior to getting married, got myself into a lot of credit card debt. I was able to pull myself out of that, but I mean, that was a big struggle, a big weight on my shoulders to be an 18 year old and rack up a bunch of credit card debt. So about 18 to 20, which again, I know that sounds really young and silly, but it was the weight of the world to like, it was on me at that point in time. So flash forward, I did get a little bit of that under control, but I still had this desire just of, I want all the things I want everything new. I don't want anyone to see me in the same thing more than once. Um, I really would say that my identity was found in, it wasn't even just my looks. It was just like, what can I obtain? Because I am obviously not enough. And so I just need these things to elevate who I am again, just really low self-confidence and the things were going to get me there. Yeah. So flash forward to that moment with my husband and I, and then at that point in time, we didn't have a conversation to be like, yes, let's, let's go deeper. And what does this mean for right. us now? It was really just something that got me thinking about, okay, my time does equal my money. And yeah. therefore I want to make sure that I'm cultivating a life that I desire that aligns with our values. And mm. that I don't one day look to my basement and have a bunch of things that are unused, which I will say, I always, I don't want to throw my parents under the bus telling the story because I do think I had an idyllic childhood. However, the part of minimalism, which we'll get there about sentimentality, but just also, why are we keeping things so long? Why do we feel like we can't let go of things? So that was something else I kind of started thinking about at that point in time. So that's a little bit about how I started. I would say when the minimalist term came into my vocabulary, it probably wasn't for several more years later, but to get myself to be, I guess, even more frugal or intentional, I just really stayed out of stores. I wasn't going to target as often. And if I did go into one of those stores or to the mall, I would say, okay, this is something you can put on your wish list. And if in 30 days or three weeks, you still like mm -hmm. it, then you can pull the trigger. Cause it means it wasn't just a fleeting high of wanting something new. It was something you've thoughtfully made a decision for and to own. And most often than not, 
it would fade and I wouldn't want it anymore. And so I just felt like, okay, I'm getting good at this. I'm strengthening this muscle and I'm going to just keep pursuing this life with less. So I've said a lot. We can, we can, we can I talk know. about any things. I'm like, whoa, so much to unpack. Well, you know, it's really interesting because I think about, I have a five-year-old and, you know, in the target or wherever store we're in every single time he wants something and it's so important. It's so dire and he needs it. And as you're talking, I was like, wow, that's almost seems like you had this like childlike pursuit of just buying things. Oh yeah. I, my mentality is like so different from that. Like I want to save everything. I want to live below my means. Like I actually get anxiety when there is clutter and Mm -hmm. like, I don't want anything in my house. I don't buy extra stuff. Like target packages aren't coming to my home. Like I I don't want any of that. Like it, it like literally like gives me anxiety and and these are on YouTube too. So anyone watching, you can see, I'm like, ah, like I I don't want (laughs) you said you felt like it was, you had a low self-esteem and you were using material things to like build up that image of yourself or tell me about that because I just think that's so interesting. I will also say, I'm sure a lot of the women listening to your podcast, you said a lot of them are new moms or getting ready to have babies. I have three kids of my own. And um, prior to all of that, I would also, I would also say I've always struggled with body image because I'm almost six Mm -hmm. feet tall and I was never bone thin. I was never athletic. I ended up drinking a lot in college. So I gained a ton of weight and again, I was able to lose some of that, but it was the insecurities were always there because it was always like creeping up, like, Oh, you could always go back to that. But something that was connected to the things as well, as I kind of got into my late twenties, early thirties, I started observing the women around me and just like actually noticing bodies and body, uh, like a variety of different types of bodies. And I realized, Oh my gosh, none of your friends look the same. And also that's not why you like them. You don't like them, whether they gain weight or lose weight, you like them for who they are. You don't like them for the things that they can give to you or the things that they have in their homes. You, you truly love them for who they are. And so I was actually able to overcome some of my body image issues there in my early thirties, which also could just be an age thing, just kind of switching that that in my brain, like, why do I value people? But I think a lot of the same thing was happening back in my early twenties with the things of why am I valuable to people? And honestly, if I have this hustle and need to, to like, keep on up with the Joneses, quote unquote, I'm probably going to be less of an appealing person to people around me because I'm so consumed and my focus is on these other things or just needing to accumulate. And I will still say, I do like things. I I still love clothes, but I just have different habits. I put into practice and keeping the clothes that I have. So like the one in one out rule where, um, I try not to add more hangers. I just get rid of something. If I want something new, I still practice that rule of saying like, okay, I'm going to keep it in my mind for a few weeks. And if I still want it, I will not. And then also this is something it's recent development. I'm really into the lucky brand. And I was looking through some of their stuff and I'm like, you know, you already have a t-shirt like that. And also you're going to get that t-shirt. It's going to feel really exciting when you get it in the mail, the first time you wear it, and then you're going to hang it in your closet and you're not going to wear it. Like it's going to fade. Like our purchases fade with anything. Just think about Mm. anything you really love. The majority of our possessions, it's only in those first few moments. Sorry, again, I'm tangenting, but, um, it's only in those first few moments that we really have that passionate excitement of receiving it. And then it goes away. And so it's like, okay, I just want to be a lot more intentional about the money going out. So much of this is like simply a mindset, right? It's that scarcity mindset versus abundant mindset. Like this is just a mindset. 
when I was growing up, my grandparents lived in the same town as us. They were like almost a second set of parents to me. They were over all the time. They were always helping. My dad worked a ton. So like my grandmother was over all the time, super close relationship with them. And my grandfather would always say, you're working for the rags. And the rags mean like he, like his parents were born in Ireland. He was one of like Mm -hmm. 11 kids and they would take clothes. And when they got really raggy, they would literally use them as a rag. So he would say, you're working for the rags. And it, because my mom and my grandmother like love shopping, but they more like discount shopping, but they just like accumulate stuff. Like my Mm. mom's house has just like a candle and a picture frame and a knickknack and a wreath. And like, there's just like stuff everywhere. So I think Mm. for that was always just so embedded in my mind. And then when I went to college and like had my own dorm and even like my first apartment, when I got married, like people would, my parents would come to my house and be like, your house is like a museum. Like you have nothing in your house. But I think it was just like, it wasn't even about saving money. It was just like, I don't want things around me. So mm-hmm. you're, you've done this like deep work. What, what is the psychology of why I'm on such the polar opposite end? Like, what mm-hmm. is the reason for that? Well, yeah. So UCLA yeah. did a big study. It was called life at home in the 21st century. Yeah. Um, I would say don't buy the book because it's actually a study. So it's kind of, uh, dense and dull, but some of the yeah. things that you can pull out of it are quite fascinating. Um, but they observed these families, uh, around, uh, UCLA, or maybe it was Stanford. Now I'm like misquoting it. It was Stanford or UCLA. Regardless, the, the studies showed that the messier, the home, the more anxiety that moms felt. And it also mm-hmm. fell, the burden fell on the moms of the home. Um, most often than not, even if we're working outside of the home, a lot of that just generally will fall on us. I do think that moms are more of a caretaker. Again, I'm making generalizations here, but we want to take control of those things and it feels good. And also like, I just kind of like things the way that I like them, but yeah, the correlation between your mindset and your overwhelm and the things think about when you enter your home and it's messy and you just are walking out from the crazy chaotic world. And the first thing that you see when you walk into your entryway is clutter. You automatically, you have your shoulders down when you walk in, or maybe they're a little bit tight from the day. And then automatically it's like, like, great. I have all this stuff to do. And then you have this like tenseness in your shoulders. Yeah. Your health suffers when you have too much. And I've seen it because I have the, like, I have the opposite feeling now that you're, I'm some more similar to you where it's like, I don't need all this stuff because then I have to manage it. It's think it's my inventory that I have to manage. And also now that I have three kids and two jobs, I can't possibly commit myself to keeping all of this stuff and cleaning all of this stuff, kind of mm. keeping your surfaces clean is a really helpful thing, especially when you have babies. And again, if someone's listening to this in their postpartum, give yourself some grace, you'll get there, go slow and steady. It's not going to be an overnight haul. There are still things that I struggle with, but I think if you just do a little bit at a time or even get your partner on board with saying like, Hey, we're both going to do 15 minutes today. That's a half hour you've done in a day because it's com- combined time where you've said, let's just intentionally limit the things that we have in here, go through Mm -hmm. them. And again, we can talk about sentimentality and how that plays a role, but I think that your mind Tara is just feeling the weight of all of that stuff. And again, with your saying like you're working for rags, you're just valuing your time. Like you'd rather spend it with your family, go on vacations. I'm assuming. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, that's, that's, you know, I, and, and not to get like too deep on the podcast. Cause this, <laughs> I don't go deep on these usually, but uh-huh. so I'm one of five kids. And when I was a sophomore in high school, my mom had my twin brothers. 
They're 16 okay. years younger than me. And then in the same year, like my grandmother died. I, my godfather, who I was super close to my mom's brother, like had ALS and he died. Like it was just this very chaotic year. And then my dad decided like he was going to quit work and stay home. My mom went into this crazy deep depression, like didn't get out of bed. So I'm a sophomore in high school and I started cleaning my house all the time. So mm-hmm. I think it would be like, you know, I could have like turned to drugs or like I was mm-hmm. seeking control because my life was in one year, just completely turned upside down. And it became so chaotic. Like I was getting pulled out of school to like watch my brothers. Cause my mom couldn't get out of bed. I mean, like it was a really, really rough little bit there. And, and it was just like, and I remember my mom would say like, I love when you get like this because I would literally like clean my floor, like scrub them until my knuckles were like raw because I was just trying to find some control. Cause it was just, it was out of control. So I think that was like a catalyst for me to then say, when I see things, it almost like brings me back to that chaotic time in my house when it was just, it looked like, like a hoarders, like there was just stuff everywhere. Nobody was cleaning, like not even picking up things. So like, then I would like go through and like get everything. And, but it's interesting. You talked about being sentimental because my mom also saves everything, like every box. Like we joke, we're like, you are literally a hoarder. Like, why do you have this trinket that I made when I was four years old? But she says to me, cause I throw everything out. Like we have nothing for my kid's childhood. They each have like a box of papers and like a few little baby clothes. And other than that, I'm like, that's it. Nobody needs anything else. But she's like, you're not sentimental. You're so cold because you don't want to save these things and you just discard them and you have no like connection to them. So talk to me about that sentimental side and decluttering. Like, what does that look like? I've been accused of the same thing of being cold with some of the things that my parents have chosen to keep. I do always say this to my daughter. I say, if everything's your favorite, nothing's your favorite. Mm -hmm. Favorite means it's, it's one, it's one thing. And also we can be sentimental. So for example, I have this story that, um, I just was telling you, I recently moved. And so I was in my basement in my, in my own basement this time. And I found a box of my old DVDs and DVDs to me represented a time where I was a huge movie buff where on the weekends, when everyone in Columbus was watching OSU Buckeyes, I was at the movies by myself. Like it was just my favorite thing to do old movies too, where my family is a little bit older. Like my dad's 75, I'm 35. So I grew up watching really old movies and, um, yeah, yeah, they're just special to me. So anyways, open up these DVDs and I realized, Oh, I really want to keep these. Like I, how can I possibly get rid of these? And then I realized I haven't watched a DVD in 13 years. I don't own a DVD player. And I was going to say, could you even play a DVD? Yeah. And the thing is like, I haven't done that. My habits have shown consistently for 13 years that I'm not someone that sits down to watch a DVD anymore. And again, kind of like out of sight, out of mind, I felt that emotional pull, not Mm -hmm. rational pull. I felt emotional about something that I didn't even consider until that moment. And so I was like, I'm just going to get these out. I found a retirement home where I called and I was like, Hey, would your residents want to go through these and keep them for their library? And they were so thrilled. So I was able to drop off all these DVDs. And so that made me feel really good too. Cause I knew they were going to somewhere that would use them. But I think so much with sentimentality, like maybe the things your mom was going through, or when we go through our kids, newborn clothes, and maybe that was our last baby. And maybe that's a really hard thing to do because we have all this tie 
to the fact with, I'm not going to be pregnant again. And that is something that we have to grieve, but that item is a representation of that, that you have to grieve and that you have to go through in your mind. And like you said, it is deep work. I, I think that's something I've learned with pursuing a life with less or intentional living, however you want to call it, but like minimalism and decluttering the things, it actually starts in your mind. Like so much of it is work that you have to do to confront again, insecurities or to confront that sentimentality, that pull, but there are ways that you can also like use it up. And I would say if there's something that you feel emotional towards, then you can display it, like display it in a hutch or wear it. If you have grandmother's jewelry that you have a ton of pieces, pick a few and wear those things, give some to your kids. So they're wearing them. China, use it every night, use it until it breaks. And and that's okay. Because why are we keeping museums of things in our home that are just these relics that again, once we die, someone's going to toss because they only have value to us. I, and I think Mm. that's something, again, you have to face that you have to face that. Oh, one day, no one's going to care about this sweater that I own. So do I still need the sweater? Do I still wear it? If the answer is yes, then keep it. But if not, it's time to let it go. Okay. So this is, this is, um, just made me think because I, as you could probably tell, I have none of that, but I do have clothes and I like to buy clothes. And yeah. I actually like having a lot of clothes in my closet. Cause I feel like I'm in different scenarios. And I'm like, I never know when I'm going to want that piece. And you said one in and one out, right? Yes. Why? What is the idea behind that? Well, one, I don't have a ton of closet space. So to me, it just keeps from having overwhelm up there. But honestly, I had this thought recently too. I was like, you know what? All of my friends like, I don't value them for the clothes that they wear, as I said at the beginning. And maybe I never really need to buy anything else. Like I've kind of cultivated this wardrobe I have here at 35. I know that's some like a really radical statement. I said to my husband, yeah. the other day. but I was like, I think I'm good for a while. I think I have the things that I want. Trends come and go. If you go into a target, I think they had used to have two like two or three floor plans. This was back in the nineties. And now they change their, their plans like every week, like they're adding new things, taking things away. And it's like, if I went to the store and had to keep up with getting something new, every time I went there to be on trend or to be in style, I would never be able to keep up. Like they want us to feel addicted that the, I say they, um, marketers and people trying to make money, they want us to be addicted to getting new things. And so if you can kind of just beat them at their own game and be like, no, for, for a while, I'm good. Like I have enough and it's sufficient. So again, I do love clothes. I just think you have to be realistic again of where your value comes from. And also I will say I'm a stay at home mom of three. I do do the podcast. So sometimes I'm like maybe speaking at something or I I go to church on Sunday. So like, I want to look a little bit nicer there. I'm definitely not in a workplace setting where I'm in New York city and I want to have the trendiest thing. So I understand that some people listening might be in those types of environment. And again, I would say one of the wealthiest people ever to exist was Steve jobs. And he wore a turtleneck every single day. He wore black. He had his uniform. There's someone in fashion that used to wear, that wears a uniform as well. But I think if you just get classic pieces, again, yeah. you're keeping up with something that you're never going to get. If your coworkers like you for that, or your job is writing on whether or not, I don't know, like it gets really tough to confront these things. And again, it's easy for me to say in my little Columbus area home, but it's, yeah. 
I think it's worth to challenge ourselves to say like, maybe I don't need a new outfit every week or a new, whatever, fill in the blank. Well, yeah. And that's interesting too, because the trend, like I've never been a trendy person. Like I like to be in style, right? So it's like, I'm not going to wear something that's like 20 years old, but yes, the trends come so quick. And now I think with Instagram, it's very easy. You follow lifestyle influencers, fashion influencers, and you're like, oh, they look good. And I Mm want to look good too. But Mm -hmm. I do feel that there is something to looking your best then you feel your best, you Mm -hmm. act your best, you perform your best. So when I was young, like this whole, and this is why my grandfather would always say to my mom working for the regs, because my mom and my grandmother loved shopping and Mm -hmm. me and my sister are about three years apart. And she would dress us up literally like little dolls. Like I would go to school in, you know, like the Mary Jane shoes with like the socks and the matching bow and a full dress. And, and Mm -hmm. I do think as a teacher, when I walk in and then there's another girl that her hair's not brushed and she has dirt under her nails and she's wearing a gross old t-shirt, like that teacher is going to pay more attention to that child. that's like put together and looks good. Mm-hmm. So then like, how do you reconcile that with saying, okay, you want to be minimalist. You want to not care, but then also you want to present to society in a certain way to say, I care about what I look like and how I'm presenting. I respect myself. You should respect me too. Right. Mm-hmm. Like how did, how did those reconcile? Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I always feel like I look good. I'm like, you always like try and put yourself together. I just curled my bangs. I threw my hair in a ponytail. I do have on like a flannel here, but I'm like, it's a chilly day and I'm home with my kids. Your example that you're, you're stating. So going to maybe a workplace setting, even like the women that are showing up in designer labels. Um, how do I reconcile that? This is like a very neat podcast today. I will also say it is going to look different for everyone. I do believe minimalism and the, again, the intentional pursuit of less and intentional living. If you're someone that's an artist, you're going to have a lot more artistic crafting tools in your house than Diane, who has no interest in art is going to have. If I have a ton of art around my house, it's time to declutter it because I'm not using it. So Maybe if you are in fashion, you're going to have more clothes, but you're going to cut down and be intentional. Like, Hey, I don't like to cook. I'm eating out often. I'm going to get rid of some of these, this food processor and this tool that I don't need this banana slicer, like these little things that like, just take up space. That's precious space, especially for living in smaller homes. So I do think it's going to look different for everyone. And it's okay. If you have an area that you prioritize over another one, um, again, I do, I told my husband in bed last night, I was like, I think people would judge me as minimalist because I have a lot of clothes and a lot of, of books and skincare, those three things. But I'm looking at my kitchen right now. I have two bowls. I need to get more bowls. I have two bowls. I have four plates. I'm like, I don't even have enough kitchenware. So that's something that we might want to be more intentional about, but I also don't care. I'm like, we're not big on cooking. We just kind of use the same things over and over. I wash things right away. So it's going to look different from me and what I prioritized. In long no, time. no, I think that's, I think that's a really good point. Like, and for me, it is, it is about the priority. So there's some, there's something to like, I don't want to spend money, but then also I will spend a lot of money on certain things, mm-hmm. right? Like if it's a piece mm-hmm. of jewelry or like something that I have like saved for, or I want, and, and I wouldn't even think twice about it. Like a flight to go somewhere, like however much it costs for me and my six people, family, like I, 
don't even question it. Cause I'm just like, that is how I want to use my money because mm-hmm. I've not spent a hundred dollars every week at target over the last four years. <laughs> like yeah. I have, so you can like reallocate your funds, but you know, for anyone who's really listening is like, okay, I, I know it's important to me. Like I love clothes or I love shoes or I love like something specific. I'm not going to declutter that. Like, where do you start with the decluttering? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I always recommend, um, look at your area as a pain point. And I've kind of gone into friends' houses and said like, this laundry seems to be an area for you. So we should focus on your clothes. But if you're just the average person that you're like, I just, yeah, where do I start? I would say the bathroom is a great place to start mm-hmm. because you usually start and end your day in the bathroom. And usually you, there's not a lot of sentimental items in there, um, that have those ties to emotion. And so you pull everything out with anything that you're decluttering, always pull everything out, empty it out, assess what you have, put back the things that you know, you need, and you use regularly. And then you're going to have a pile. That's kind of like a limbo pile, which I like to invite over my judgy relatives to kind of help me go through some of that stuff. Um, and then you have the donate or trash pile. Um, you know what you don't use expired medicine products you're not using. And also if you're like, well, I spent so much money on that lotion, the money's gone, get it out. Why are you Mm. allowing it to continue to weigh on you as well? So you've spent the money and now it's also weighing on you because you don't use it, just get it out. And then the money, get it back. So I would rather just get rid of things than have them just being like these little trolls that like are like reminders Mm. of waste around my home. But that would be that or the entryway. I think usually we don't have a lot of cinema. I feel like an easy one too is the kitchen because mm-hmm. I remember, so we, we just moved and I went crazy, like cleaning out my mm-hmm. house. I was like, I want to pack nothing. Like our goal is that moving truck. Um, you know, I have four kids, my husband, and we have a nanny who lives with us. So we've like lots of bedrooms, lots of things. So I was like, mm-hmm. my goal is to have a truck. That's a two bedroom house. And they were like, well, you don't have a two bedroom house. I'm like, I know, but I want to get rid of all the things because I don't, I don't want to pay for the truck to carry stuff that I don't want. And we're in a rental. I'm like to bring it into a rental that I don't even want anyways. And my Mm -hmm. husband had stuff. We had lived in our previous home for seven years. Mm -hmm. And before that we had lived in a home for four years and he had boxes that he had brought to our house. When we got married, our first house, we had lived there for four years. He had Mm -hmm. moved those boxes to a house that we lived in for seven years. Those Mm -hmm. boxes were never open. And I said, I am not bringing those to our next house. Like I am throwing them away. I'm sorry. I don't care. I know you're mad at me. Like, babe, we do not need your like t-shirts from high school. Like mm-hmm. you've never opened this box. This mm-hmm. is crazy. So it's I mean, DVD thing. that's like, yes, the DVD. there was, yeah. there was CDs in there and I'm like, yeah. download it. Like you don't mm-hmm. need these. And, and the everything's streaming. Yes. Everything. You don't need any of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So start in the bathroom, start in the entryway, maybe kitchen and just pull, pull it all out of the cabinets you're saying though. And then just mm-hmm. kind of assess and put in buckets. This is like the Marie Kondo is that right method. She has a little bit different of a process than I would say. And I also, I don't know if I would say kitchen to start with just because it's usually oh, a bigger no. space. I think it's Got a bigger it. space. I think that you should start in smaller spaces that get that muscle strengthened um, and then move on. The kitchen would be third, easily third. Got it. Okay. And then what about being minimalist with kids? Yeah. I always say visual boundaries have been really helpful for us. So shelves, different cabinets, once those things are full, it's time to go through it before it's kind of like the one in one out thing we're not going to add more birthday toys or Christmas toys until we've gone through this and made some room for the incoming toys. And also I think it gives our kids a way to be generous. And I know that, 
I'm sure someone's listening and they're like, oh, generous giving to uh, people with less than you're giving your old toys. Aren't Why not buy them new toys? And I, I understand, yeah. but also yeah. again, this is a muscle we have to strengthen and we have to start somewhere. So um, right before Christmas, we kind of just go through and we talk about kids that don't have um, things. And then we'll do like the Christmas shoe boxes for kids in other countries. Just again, we'll get rid of stuff, but we'll also try and do something nice for kids that don't have. And I don't know, it just gets conversations going. And I think with little, little ones, you can kind of just get the stuff out. But for my six-year-old, I usually allow him to be part of the process because I want them to have their own autonomy with their things. And also I don't want this to all backfire on me one day. So I just kind of allow them some say and just a recognition of what they're playing with. Like, Hey buddy, are you really playing with this right now? I haven't seen you pick up the blocks and just observe and see what they play with. And it doesn't have to go away. It can go into a little limbo, maybe in the, the closet or the basement or attic. And then if they don't notice it or ask for it for a month or so, I would get rid of it. Interesting. Well, so when we were moving here, it was like, I was literally just putting stuff in trash bags and then we would, we would bring it to a donation center. And then yeah. there was stuff that was needed to be thrown out, but like for the most part, if it's like, a puzzle nobody's played with. I know all the pieces there. Like it's in good condition. Sure. We'll, we'll put it in. Everything I was putting in my kids were like, yes, I love that. It's my favorite. I'm like, listen, you have not touched this in two years. I've seen it like in the back of the closet and they're like, but I need it. And I think part of our last house, we had a bedroom that we called the playroom and it was, it was a really big bedroom and it had huge <laughs> closet. So there was just so much room for all mm. the stuff. Now mm-hmm. where we're renting is a lot smaller. So it's like, there mm-hmm. are not spots for all these toys or all these clothes. Like you said, like if your closet is smaller, then you don't yeah. have space for clothes. Yeah. So I think part of that too, is just like, you also don't need to fill up every single spot, right? Oh yeah. 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 No, you definitely don't. And that's something that I told my husband, I'm like, I want to keep shelves in this house empty. We don't need to fill every cabinet just because it exists so far. So good. Uh, I think that also with rooms, we people were like, Oh, you don't have any furniture. Cause we are getting so much more square footage. And it's like, well, the rooms are allowed to be sparse. And also I don't want to buy anything just cause I have to fill a space. I really want to love the things that I own. And I think that's a, like another one of the biggest takeaways of trying to be intentional with my life. Uh, it's just like, I want to love everything that I own. And when I stop loving it, then why do I still own it? And yeah. it's going to be a constant assessment. And I think with kids, again, giving them their autonomy to bring things in that you may not want, but it is such a short season. Today's episode was brought to you by Dreamland Baby. I want to introduce you to a product that hundreds of thousands of parents use to help their baby sleep. The Dreamland Baby Weighted Sleep Sack. Hi, I'm Tara Williams, host of the Mom Manual and founder of Dreamland Baby. When my son Luke was six months old, he was still waking up every hour and a half. I was completely exhausted, frustrated, and at my wit's end. Sound familiar? My solution to create a gently weighted sleep sack that babies can safely wear to help them feel calm, fall asleep faster, and stay asleep longer. The award-winning doctor-approved Dream Weighted Sleep Sack and Swaddle features our proprietary CoverCom technology evenly distributed weight from your baby's shoulders to toes to help naturally reduce stress and allow your little one to feel relaxed and sleep soundly. If you're struggling to get your baby to sleep for longer stretches and go down easier, you're not alone. 
This product was a game changer for my son and can be for your family too. And right now we've got a special discount exclusive to mom manual listeners. Use code MOMMANUAL15 at checkout to get 15% off site-wide. Isn't it time for you to invest in rest? We've just kind of scratched the surface on it. But I think that the biggest thing that you can do, even if your household isn't on board with it, even if your kids aren't on board or your husband, uh, you are in control of your things. And so why would you not try and get those things that are controlled that are controllable when everything in the world is kind of outside of our control? Our kids aren't in our control. My kid just interrupted my interview, even though I asked them to stay upstairs. It's like, there are things that are not going to be under my control, but if I can control my closet or the skincare that I have, or the foods that I'm buying for the family, like those types of things, why would I not? No, I love that. So it's like, it's like, start with yourself and then try to get the husband on the board, try to get the kids on board, but at a minimum, like you can control what you can control. Oh my gosh. This, I love this conversation. I, I did read the Marie Kondo book and that is when I started thinking about like, just getting rid of everything in my house. Her thing is touch it. And if it doesn't bring you joy or look at it, then Mm -hmm. it's time to go. And there's no kind of purpose for it, but I love your ideas too on you know, the decluttering and being sentimental and, and just like really taking stuff back and being intentional. I'm super excited to listen to your podcast. And I, I flipped through a couple of the episodes. I'm like, Ooh, these are good. Um, Diane, tell everybody where they can find you. So the podcast is minimalist moms podcast. It's available anywhere you listen to podcasts. I also have a book. It's called minimalist moms living and parenting with simplicity. It is for beginners. So I, I do recommend it for people just kind of starting out in their pursuits of living with less. Um, I have a new ebook that I've just recently released for newborn and postpartum decluttering. And um, again, that has to do a little bit more with mindset, but that's on my website, minimalismomspodcast.com. And then I think that's all, but yeah, I, it's not just minimalism. I hope that people see that minimalism is an umbrella and I really just want to live with intentionality, simply slower. And so I'm talking to people and creatives with, within that umbrella and that realm. So many different topics we're discussing here. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Have a wonderful day. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me.